he decides to start blessing other people around him because he believes in, apparently, the, the, the law of sowing and reaping. And what, what, what you sow, that then you shall reap. And so he decides to do kindness and to do justice with all of his neighbors around him. And guess who one of his neighbors is? The fool. Nabal. And all his sheep and all his goats are also there in the wilderness. So here, here we introduce David. So David uh, heard in the wilderness that Nabal was shearing his sheep. So David sent ten young men, and David said to the young man, Go up to Carmel, visit Nabal, and greet him in my name. Now listen to the graciousness of this greeting. And thus you shall say, Have a long life. Peace be to you, and peace to your house, and peace be to all you have. And now I have heard that you have shearers. Now your shepherds have been with us, and we have not insulted them, nor have they missed anything all the days they were here in the, in the desert around, or the wilderness around Carmel. Ask your young men, and they'll tell you. Therefore, let my young men find favor in your eyes, for we have come on a festive day. Why was it a festive day? Because it was harvest time. And so the intake of the year was all there. And usually at harvest, there was great festivals, and there was extra, and there was overflow. And you'll find out that Nabal had a lot of it. And, and, and so he's asking him, please, listen, give whatever you find at hand to your servants and to your son David. A reasonable request. After he has defended them against all that might take advantage of them, steal their flocks, all that kind of stuff, through the whole season. So when David's men came, they spoke to Nabal according to all these words in David's name, and they waited. They waited. And then when David's young men came and they spoke to Nabal, and, and, and no response, they waited. But Nabal answered David's servants and said, Who is this David? And who is the son of Jesse? There are many servants today who are each breaking away from their master. This is one of those rebel slaves is what he's accusing David of being. He's insulting them. He's putting them down. He's scorning him. And then in verse 11, Shall I then take my bread and my water and my meat? My, my, my. Listen to this attitude that I have slaughtered for my shears and give it to men whose origin I do not even know. Well, he's been told their origin. He's been told of their kindness. He, he's insulting them. So David's young men retraced their way and went back, and they came and told David according to all these words. And David said to his men, Strap on your sword. If you don't get what that means, it's the same as when a military person turns to another and says, let's roll. Strap on your sword, he says. So each man girded his own sword, and David also girded his sword. And the 400 men went up behind David, and 200, 200 of them stayed with the baggage. I don't know if they were staying, guarding their supplies. I don't know what was in the baggage, or if the baggage was just empty for the spoils of what they were about to walk away with. But they were going on a vengeful campaign. But one of the young men, Nabal's young men, one of the shepherds perhaps, told Abigail, Nabal's wife, 
saying, Behold, David sent messengers from the wilderness to greet our master, and he scorned them. Yet the men were very good to us, and we were not insulted, nor did we miss anything as long as we went about with them in the wilderness uh, while we were in the fields. They were a wall to us, both by day and by night, and all the time we were with them tending the sheep. Now therefore know and consider what you should do, for evil is plotted against our master Nabal and against all his household, and he is such a worthless man, and no one can speak to him. Then Abigail, listen to her response, then Abigail hurried and took 200 loaves of bread and two jugs of wine and five sheep already prepared and five measures of roasted grain and a hundred cluster of raisins and two hundred cakes of figs and loaded them on donkeys. And she said to her young man, go on before me. Uh, behold, I am coming after you. But she did not tell her husband Nabal. And it came about as she was riding on her donkey and coming down uh, by the hidden part of the mountain that behold, David and his men were coming down towards her so that she met them in the valley. And now David had said, Surely in vain I have guarded all, these, all that this man has in the wilderness, so that nothing was missed. All, all that belonged to him is still his, and he has returned me evil for good I showed him. May God do also to the enemies of David, and more also if, morning, if by morning I leave as much as one male of anyone who belongs to him. And when Abigail saw David, she hurried and dismounted from her donkey and fell on her face before David and bowed herself to the ground. And she fell at his feet and said, On me alone, my Lord, be the blame. And please let your maidservant speak to you and listen to the words of your maidservant. Please do not let my Lord pay attention to this worthless man, Nabal. For as his name is, so is he. Nabal, in his name and his folly, is, is with him. But I, your maidservant, did not see the young man of my Lord, whom you sent. Now, therefore, my Lord, as the Lord lives, capital Lord, Lord God, and as your soul lives, since the Lord has restrained you from shedding blood and from avenging yourself by your own hand, now then let your enemies and those who seek evil against my Lord be as Nabal. And now... Let this gift, which your maidservant has brought to my Lord, be given to the young man who accompany my Lord. Please forgive the transgression of your maidservant for what has she done wrong? She's done nothing wrong, and yet she's, she's asking forgiveness, owning that transgression of her foolish husband Nabal as if it were her own, though it's not. For the Lord will certainly make for my Lord an enduring house because my Lord is fighting the battles of the Lord, and evil shall not be found in you all your days. And should anyone rise up to pursue you or to seek your life, then the life of my Lord shall be bound in the bundle of the living with the Lord your God. But the living of your enemies he shall sling out as from a hollow of a sling. And it shall come about when the Lord shall do for my Lord according to all the good that he has spoken concerning you and shall appoint you ruler over Israel. She knew that someday David would be king, that this will not cause grief or troubled heart to you, David, both by having shed blood without cause or by my Lord having avenged himself. 
When the Lord shall deal well with my Lord, then remember your maidservant. And then David said to Abigail, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, who sent you this day to meet me, and blessed be your discernment, blessed be you, who has kept me this day from bloodshed and from avenging myself by my own hand. Nevertheless, as the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, who has restrained uh, me from harming you, unless you had come quickly to meet me, surely there would have not been left to Nabal until the morning, even one male still standing. So David received from her, her hand, what she had brought him, and he said to her, Go up to the house in peace. See, I have listened to you and granted your request. Then Abigail came to Nabal, her husband. And behold, he was holding a feast in his house like the feast of a king. And Nabal's heart was merry within him, for he was very drunk. So she, told, uh, so she did not tell him anything at all until the morning light. But it came about in the morning, when the wine had gone out of Nabal, that his wife told him these things, and his heart died within him, so that he became as a stone. And about ten days later it happened that the Lord struck Nabal, and he died. And when David heard that Nabal was dead, he said, Blessed be the Lord who has pleaded the cause of my reproach with the hand of Nabal and has kept back his servant from evil. The Lord has not returned the evil. The Lord has also returned the evil doing of Nabal upon his own head. And then David sent a proposal to Abigail to take her as his wife. And when the servants of David came to Abigail at Carmel, they spoke to her, saying, David has sent us to take you as his wife. And she arose and bowed with her face to the ground and said, Behold, your maidservant is a maid to wash the feet of my Lord's servants. Then Abigail quickly arose and rode on a donkey, and her five maidens who attended her went with her, and she uh, followed the messengers of David and became his wife. Good-hearted, good-looking, good-cooking, Abigail, an amazing woman. And David recognized it. I just want to point out a few things about that story. The first thing is David's kind provision. Nabal hadn't asked for it. And yet, nevertheless, without him even asking for it, David had given his, his, his caregivers of the sheep and the flocks his protection both by night and by day. For months and weeks, they had not lost a thing. And although all the servants were thankful for it, when he went to Nabal, he got a completely different response. Nabal didn't care. Did you notice his response? My sheep, my wine, my riches, my, 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 my. He was one entitled dude. As far as he was concerned, it was all by his own hands. He owed no one any thanks. He, he was Mr. Entitled. Nabal. His name means the foolish one. But then comes Abigail. And uh, as she falls at his feet, I, I want you to notice, first of all, her humble apology. She's apologizing for someone else's wrongdoing. And yet she accepts the blame that is due her. Pay attention to these things. 
because Abigail is in many ways a Christ figure for us. She asks for forgiveness. And not only does she save David the remorse of being embarrassed later on when he becomes a noble king for the bloodshed that he could have justly had that day, taking out Nabal and all his guys, right? And yet he saves himself that embarrassment later on, becomes even a more noble king because of the way he handles this with propriety and with restraint and with mercy. Uh, David's greatness is magnified. So for David's sake and even for Sorry, old Nabal's sake. Now, he was a horrible husband, but he was hers. I mean, he was her husband. So she has saved that clown's life as well. She's been a mediator in Death Valley when destruction was on the march. All this at Abigail's hand. Her husband was a rich fool. But she had appealed to the Robin Hood of the wilderness and turned David's heart from wrath to thankfulness for her. What an incredible turnaround. But poor Nabal couldn't recalibrate in his heart that he, she had just saved his life. He was so struck with his own entitlement that the world owed him everything that, that he could not bring himself to be grateful for what David had done. Instead, he just seizes up. Uh, the doctors at the time, their understanding of medicine could have been so uh, rudimentary that they probably didn't know why he died. I think he stroked out. That's what I think he did. I think he got so angry that, that, he, that he just stroked out, and with a few days, he was gone. I, I was named for a man, Dr. Hinton, who shared all that he had with, with many the church that my dad was pastoring at the time was known as Hinton Memorial because he had taken his fortune and instead of building a new clinic with his brother that had passed away in his grief and his thankfulness to God, he gave his fortune to the church. And Hinton Memorial was built and his generosity didn't stop there. He put my mom and my dad through college when they ran out of money. I was born during that season and they named me Christopher Hinton Buskirk. And I, and I have a picture on my uh, shelf in my office because I still feel a uh, gratitude for that man and for what he did. He, he, he was a good man. And I was told by my dad, taught by my dad years ago, that Dr. Hinton's favorite quote was this, that the height of sin is ingratitude. You know, I wonder how many hearts would turn to the Lord if they could just reassess their lives for all the goodness it has in it and realize that is not of their own making. But Nabal still today, he's a fool who says in his heart, there is no God. So this day, we don't want to be a Nabal. There's two lessons, I think, two Mother's Day lessons from, from this particular story, and I'll give them to you quickly. The first one is this. Don't be a Nabal. Don't be an idiot. Don't be a fool. Be thankful on Mother's Day for all that your mothers have given into your life, though you never asked for it. They gave it. 
And it's only just, it's only logical for then for us to be grateful for all of their investment in us. But secondly, I want you to know that when God calls you to honor your father and mother, especially if you haven't had the greatest home life in your own history, that you become a transformative agent by being obedient to that call. You can reverse the curse. You can carry the contagion of kindness, you especially, to your own family. And, and when you do that, you become like Jesus was for us. Jesus was our mediator. He met with God in Death Valley as if David was God. And, you know, and, and, and he pleaded for us. And how did he do that? He said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. <laughs> they are in the balls. Father, forgive them. They, they know what they do, but all the sin, all the offense of theirs, please count it to me. And he died in our place. Because of the beauty of his life laid down for us, we know God's grace instead of God's wrath. We know life instead of death. Because of that beautiful one who has already laid down his life for any one of us that would receive that gift from God. And it's always a gift. And if it's a gift, then shouldn't we be grateful for it? And if we're grateful for it, then how do we show it? One of the ways is by honoring our fathers and mothers, especially when it's obvious that they did very little to deserve it. You follow that logic? And, and so we, in our own families and in our own circumstances, can become uh, people, especially on Mother's Day, when the, when, the, when the stakes are high and when it's that much more noticed, we can become a mediator like Jesus, it says in 1 Timothy 2, 5 and 6, became a mediator for us that we might know the love, the reconciliation, the embrace of family from God instead of the curse of a life that's been disobedient, that's taken him for granted, that's never responded with the kind of gratitude that's doing. So this morning, whether it's in a POW camp, this is not just a little sentimental message on Mother's Day. I'm, I'm trying to get that across. This, this is the power of God to transform every family. It, it took just a few POWs in that death camp to completely transform it into a community of life that transformed Ernest Gordon's heart that he might live in the new culture he discovered in a prisoner of war camp. It was the culture of Christ. The beautiful, brilliant culture of Christ. And because he became one that was willing to share kindness with others, he transformed not only that camp, but the, every place he went in the world there afterwards. And it might not be a prisoner of war camp, but in each and every one of our families, I want you to know this morning what God knows. And that is that it only takes one mediator of grace. One Abigail can change a family. Can transform it. So especially on Mother's Day. And every other grace-filled day going forward. Let's commit ourselves to being those kinds of people. To being those who take light into dark places. Especially when those dark places are as close as our own families, as our own homes. 
Because Christ so loved you. Because you love another. That's his call. It's not just a test to see if you're up to it. That's not what it's about. It's about transforming your family. Can you imagine what it would be like if the culture of your whole family could be turned around, could be changed, if you could reverse whatever curses that are there because of the grace which you bear? God calls us to those kind of transformed and transforming lives. This Mother's Day, every day, you have been so loved. And from the resources of the cross, from the resources of the Christ, you always have overflow to share with any fool you might meet. And who knows? If they come to know the Christ that lives in you, they might become an Abigail too. They might start living with fresh gratitude. And whatever culture of meanness that they grew up in, perhaps it could be transformed. Because you know the Christ. And the Christ lives in you. Lord Jesus, this morning we ask that you would do miraculous things in each of our hearts. That you would show us how dearly we're loved. How completely we've been graced by your life poured out for us. We thank you for the little one this morning, for Hester Henry that we baptized. And we pray that he would know that grace. We thank you that he does through his parents, through his family. We pray that he would know it through every church that he's ever a part of. That your people would so love him that someday he would grow up to recognize that love as familiar and as from you. God, may we so live as the children of grace. That we grow the family of grace. Work within our families, Father, this Mother's Day and every day. Help us to bring reconciliation and grace and love and forgiveness, goodness, kindness, those gifts of grace that can melt any heart. Lord Jesus, help us to bear them as Abigail did. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, Lord, thank you for giving us the opportunity for today to be a happy Mother's Day. And all God's people said, Amen. Would you stand with me this morning as we give thanks to our God?